Do you fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. Furry stuff that comes out of wet holes is so gross to me. We didn't, you know, this is, Lovecraft Country is Lovecrafty in, so the whole tentacle thing is completely in the keeping of what's going on here, but at the same time, yeah, oh no, furry tentacles, no. There's a connection between Lovecraft and whatever that insane Asian uh, monster culture is especially in Japan and Korea. They have monsters for literally everything. And this one is no less unique than the rest of them. Never heard of this one. Had you? Yes, actually I have, but I've never seen it like this before. The only reason I have is because I've had a little bit of exposure to foreign horror films and foreign horror anime, but mostly foreign horror films. Cause I've seen, so I've seen some Korean horror before but never looking like this. This is a completely different visual because it's usually literally a fox with nine tails. Yeah. And it looks like a fox with nine attached tails. And then it turns into a woman who then kills you, seduces you and kills you and, and usually steals like, a, an, like your heart, like rips out your heart. Mm-hmm. And on Teen Wolf, one of my absolute favorite shows ever, there was a character who was a kitsune, which is the Japanese version of this. Okay. So when they started, when she started having all the like things started coming out of her, I was like, is this, is this what's happening? Are we kitsune kitsuneing this situation? And then when they explained what the creature was through Korean, I was like, oh, okay, now I see. Make it weird and make it last all episode. (laughs) They did a good job. This was a good one. Well, this is also completely original. This is not a thing that happens in the book at all. We get very few references to to Tick's time in Korea. We know that it happened. We know that it was horrible. But what actually happened to him there is just not important to the story, so they don't don't delve into it. And so this this is a completely original character for the show, and mm. it is just a. On one hand, it really kind of expands the mythology here immensely. So we're you know we've, we've been focused on this particular piece of magic and and, and sorcery going on with the Sons of Adam, right? Yeah. And this whole connection to everything we've seen so far has spiraled out of this particular quest for arcane knowledge and power. So it's been very much an isolated kind of thing, leaving across the, you know, leaving outside the geography of quote unquote Lovecraft country, the Northeast. It's been very much the world is a terrifying place with monsters and, and dimensional portals and horrid things, but it's sons of Adam. You know, these are the bad guys. We've gone across the world. It's magic is real. Magic is out there. The world is a much more terrifying place than we it's had any reason to It's all terrifying, too, isn't it? It's like all of it. 
all of it is just terrible. There's no like, hey, I'm gonna enjoy your great teeth. There's no monsters that do that. Well, I would I, now hang on. I would argue that for the most part, not a horrible creature episode. Well, no, it's not. It's because, a love story. Yeah. Yes, and and you are correct. And one of the best things about this particular monster, air quotes here, monstrous is a better term. She is an entity that feels and has emotions and can can love and can ask questions and recognize that for, you know, the the situation that she's in is a horrid situation, leaving aside so much of what's going on with Atticus or anything else or the war, leaving yeah. aside the war that she that she's stuck in is the situation that how she came to be bonded to this so hard to tell if it's really like a recreation of the daughter or a bonding to the daughter. Yeah, it, it was very unclear. So she's not a monster, but she's monstrous by nature versus monster by action. I mean, the things she does are terrible, but it's her nat—it's her nature to do that. Uh, so. I interpreted it, her character a different way. Ooh. Excellent. She's, yes. We should talk about that in this episode of what? Why, why it's the Zompocalypse Now podcast. Yay! <laughs> Welcome, folks. And clearly, we're probably, I don't know, five minutes into the episode before we actually drew the title drop. You're used to that. You've seen us and heard us. You've heard us do that before. Big shocker there. I'm Timothy Harvey. And I'm Dustin. And I'm Curtis. And we are, of course, talking about Lovecraft Country. And we are talking about the most recent episode, episode six, Meet Me in Daegu. Yes. And, and it's are funny. you absolutely certain that's how it's pronounced? No, no. I have com- I'm sure I've actually completely mangled it. And my apologies to the... Everybody give it a whirl. Don't look at your notes. Go, <laughs> go Tim. How did you just do it? I how did you do pronou- it, Tim? I pronounced it Daegu, which is... Okay. I believe okay. I, I I said uh, Daiku, hmm? which is similar, I suppose. And what was yours, Dustin? And I said episode six because I didn't look at the title. <laughs> <laughs> because I go. very rarely do. <laughs> I always like to learn the title from Tim because he he looks it up <laughs> and says what it is. Yeah. <laughs> This is the kind. Of, this is the kind of episode where we could very easily, really, really mangle a lot of words and a lot this of. This is names. why I make up. This is why everybody gets nicknames. Yeah. Because it's so hard for me to remember even the names of the people in my immediate family. I can't even tell you how many times I they, I've I've named Trinaya, Jamila, Cardell. Damn it, Trinaya! Fuck. <laughs> Just like, a really long name for a child. Yeah. <laughs> or that one. That one. Oh, I'm gonna see. tell you something about. I'm gonna tell you something about kids, Dustin. They work on you by by making you lose sleep. Then they know they can control you because you're all. I've lost all this sleep. I'm just groggy all the time, and for some reason, I'm mowing the lawn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how they do it. That's how they get you tonight. So, Okay, so Saturday usually we clean our clean our house, uh, but I had other stuff going on. So anyway, tonight, or, but Trinaya had her friend Morgan spend the night, 
and they decided on Saturday of their own accord to clean her room, and they did such a good job, and the place looked great. And so tonight, when I went in to tell them I was gonna about to start this whole situation, I looked at the floor, and there was no floor in that room. And it was like, how? And I asked her, she said, didn't you just clean this room yesterday? And she just looked up at me, and she said, I know, I'm sorry. And I was just like, oh, God, how, but I just don't understand how it happened in a day. I don't understand. I didn't at first understand why we were back in Korea. Because yeah. I, and then I remembered, oh, yeah, dude That's- had a girl in Korea. And he's talked to her several other times. In the yeah. first, the first she episode. She keeps trying to warn him from the yeah. very beginning. Yeah, in the first episode, she home. called him. Don't go home. Or he called her, and and she, and she he said, uh, or what was it? The conversation was something along the lines of, you went home, didn't you? And he said, mm-hmm. yes. And she said, you shouldn't have. And then hung up on him. That was the most intriguing thing when that happened. I was very and now intrigued. now we get some payoff. Yeah, when, when he, because remember, I, she's who he fought in episode two. Remember, she came bursting out of the closet and they had a big fight, and he ended up killing her. Oh yeah, yeah, that was who that was. And I was but like, her that character, happened. who she, who they were to each other, was was uh, misconstrued yeah. by me. Well, not only that, but she appears as a Korean soldier, as opposed uh, yes. to how she appears here, as of course as a nurse, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> that seems to be tied into a lot of Atticus's regrets about what he did while he was over in the war. Because we see Atticus in this episode, he commits a war crime. Mm-hmm. He, he, he straight yeah. up murders a person. and Two. This, yeah, he kills true. two nurses and then tortures and kills a third. These are war crimes. These are illegal under the terms of the Geneva Convention. No, I don't know. I was just, just doing what I was told, so I guess that's okay then. Yeah. Well, but it also plays into something that Again, part of a much bigger discussion. I don't know if we should have this when the show is over to talk about some of the historical horrors that that are very real and uh, that we've talked about to some degree in other episodes. But there was something that actually happened with minority soldiers in the U.S. military to some degree to prove they were worthy to be there in the eyes of the people who didn't want them there. Some people would actually do really, really terrible things. They would go to extremes to prove that they were worthy of being there. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, a lot of racist people did not want black people there or Asian people there. And we got a sense of, we introduced to a character who we've never seen before, just as another soldier who's an Asian American. It's not just the black experience, but it's also the Asian experience of being treated like you're not one of us. And it's a moment there it's a very much a product of the racist attitudes of the time, even in an organization where at that point, the U.S. military had been, they've had black soldiers fighting in the U.S. military since the Revolutionary War. But I think it was just about this time, it was a little bit earlier than this, between World War II and this, where this, the service actually was integrated. And there was still a lot of resentment for the more racist aspects of the military. So it was a, it was a nice little grounding moment to it's not just the experiences of these people, not just Atticus and, and, and Letty and everyone else who's going through this. We, right. we know, but we're seeing it from a different perspective 
in a different environment because here's an Asian soldier in an Asian country where he's not welcome. Right. And he feels unwelcome at the country he grew up in. And the other soldiers don't make him feel like one of the boys either. Right. Um, and that's all I want to talk about him. Because I want to talk about Helen Hunt. And because I don't remember the name of the actual character, I've decided that her name is Helen Hunt. Jaya? Helen. Jaya? Helen. Well, it's, it's wow. not. Jaya? Jaya? Yeah, it's not Helen Hunt. It is. It's Helen Hunt. How do you get the to makeup Helen work Hunt alone? Her? <laughs> I'm not. I, it's it's two to one on this one. I'm not calling that woman Helen Hunt. Oh, I don't. I, just, I mean, the uh, Fox Demon. Fox Demon would work. Um, no, I think I, I think that I could do Jaya. Maybe we'll see. If I call her Helen again, then we'll know that I can't do it. Anyway, so we meet her. Couple. And, what? Sorry. Um, a couple weeks ago, I was going to say somebody asked me. Uh, somebody asked me what they should name their new lizard, and I said Gina. Gina. I uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. And he thought that was really classy of me to make that suggestion. <laughs> I felt like I won that day, that whole day at that point. And then, so, so you were saying sorry. So we meet her uh, and her mother making kimchi. And uh, it turns out that uh, that the mom is super interested in in her bringing home dudes. And when <laughs> when you know, like we're not going to get our family honor back unless you bring home a dude. I thought I was thinking like, oh well, I guess at that time they would have to bring men home to meet the yeah. mother and make sure that they were suitable suitors. Yeah, that's but she that's, had to go get one now. Yeah, that's that's the weird part is that it wasn't like oh you haven't you haven't brought me a man for to be your husband yet. You're not giving me no grandbabies. It was you didn't bring a dude home yesterday. And it's like okay, and I thought that was really weird. And then we meet then she goes to school where she is learning to be a nurse. Oh wait, there's there, I, I'm not going to let you get too much further here because the episode actually opens with her in a movie theater. I love these scenes so much. This opening scene was wonderful. And she's there by herself. There's nobody else in the theater with her. And she's watching Judy Garland. There was a couple, but they were like, this movie blows, and they left. Yeah. And she starts dancing. But it's all in her head. It's all this in her mind. This is where she's... they introduced that here's a character. Yeah. This is, here's where they introduced that this, the idea that this character does have a heart. Mm-hmm. Right? Which right. is, which is, uh, a matter of contention between right. the mother and the daughter. Well, right. and not only that, she goes to this speed dating uh, session. God, that was, is that real? Did that happen back then? Was that like, uh, you I know, I actually, wanna, I thought that was invented in like the, the mid nineties. It was not fun. I don't remember when speed dating actually was invented. Although I did kind of feel the same way about, it's like, isn't this a little early? But you know, dating and, conventions have are, are around for. And I like. Well, I think it was like supposed to be an official mm-hmm. matchmaking sort of thing. Yeah, because apparently that was part of the economy was being wedded. Yeah. 
And if you're from a family with dubious history, then you got to get with a dude with a dubious history. Well, and that's some one of the kind things. of grandpa. Grandpa got caught touching a goat in a bad way, and now their family honor is down, and nobody can even remember why. It's just that's your family, so you've got to marry well, good. To of get course, back. but we know that uh, her family. At least the mother knows why they are families of dubious honor. And partly it's because the father died under mysterious circumstances. And so they don't have a man to take care of them. But we're not 100% sure if also the people know about the horrible secret. Well, but we also find out later because they kind of parcel this out throughout the course of the episode, which is really kind of cool the actual history because instead of getting an info dump about what happened, you watch these two characters interact with each other and say things that the other one clearly knows what they mean, but the audience doesn't. Mm -hmm. And so we get this information about the family parceled out in little bites. So we're most of the way through the episode before we understand really what happened. And so it's not just that there's no man. It's that, the mother was an unwed mother married by this dead father. And so it becomes, I mean, there's all sorts of like little cultural things where people, that's a cultural thing that transcends culture. There's still people who look at someone as an unwed mother and go, oh, well, clearly you're not very good. And that we've, you know, that still happens in a culture where one unwed mothers are all over the place. There are still mm-hmm. people who feel that way. Oh so, yeah, yes, yes. They send them to the <laughs> to in like the late eighteen hundreds. They'd have to go to asylums and sequester themselves, or to uh, the Magdalene houses. Yes, mm-hmm. those. Yes, yes. That and, the last Magdalene house closed in like nineteen ninety four in uh, Ireland, man. Yeah. Those those guys, they just take their kids. Yeah, you don't need this. Rich white people over here do. Sorry, a little tangential there. It's okay. But uh, well, how early on in the episode, I don't quite remember, did we find out what her uh, favorite position, what her um, finishing move? That she was a creature? Well, I think see. we're She's... at least halfway through. Really? Yeah, it that long? Was it I don't that think long? it's quite that long, but it's close. And what's in, there's a lot of things that, that the pace of this episode, I think, unfolded in such a way that there are a number of things that I didn't realize until we were most... Wait, do you realize that we're well past the halfway point before we hear a word of English? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't Korean. even know. I didn't know. And I it's, didn't. That was... I would I just, have hated it if they would have done like... Just a, I would have hated it if it wasn't in Korean. That would that was a, that's just we're past that. We can do that now. Yeah, you know. Well, this is just one of those another example of anyone, someone who complains. Oh, I just can't watch a film with subtitles. Yes, you can. Oh, yes, absolutely. You can. <laughs> you can I, agree. I agree also with you, but I did last night watch a Korean movie in dubbed, also with subtitles. I just watched a Russian horror film that I cannot find a subtitled version. I can only find a dubbed version. And it really irritates me because one thing that I have noticed with only dubbed versions, and this is why I personally prefer subtitles, is only dubbed versions 
you either have, they come in three flavors, really, really good. And those are just joys to watch because whoever's doing the voice work on that has paid attention to tone and emotion and it, it feel, you know, even though the lips, the lips movements don't match, you can still feel this really great performance coming through from two people. You have a visual performance you're watching and a vocal performance. It's a really great voice actor. At the other end, they're garbage. It's like people who just showed up and they're reading the words on the paper and you're going, you don't care. You don't care at all. And then there's unfortunately the middle, the middle batch is, eh, that was all right. Yeah. Those are the three. I always watch. I always, always watch something in the original with the original performance. That's what the director was there for. And the rest I, is I, I can out. get that, but you know what? I was it was eleven thirty at night on a Saturday night, and I was not in the mood for subtitles. I wanted to watch some Korean zombies. But if like if like James Mason is in the cast of the sub of the you know the voiceover people of some like nineteen sixties kung fu film i'll watch that in in, yeah. in the dub i will tell you the best be the best best subbed movie i ever saw i watched Waterworld in paris france dubbed into french and it was so horrendous they had one actress who dubbed every female voice Oh, so I've she heard of that. The little girl and the woman and everyone else, and so it'd be like the woman talking, and then the little girl, and it was like it was your French so is bad. It was so bad, and it was so amazing. Oh, absolutely, it had to you know. Now this was this was the way to do this and and really immerse us in what's going on, so that when we finally get our English speaking characters arriving, then it mm-hmm. actually really just it, it anchors it in a cultural way that just doing it where you know they're talking in Korean then suddenly the transition happens and they're speaking in English like we've seen with some other films and movies have done stuff like that. It's like why? Why do all the Germans in this film speak with an English accent? Yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, right. British Germans and, are always my. And favorite. I like that the first <laughs> words that we hear in English are essentially a threat. It's those soldiers, you know, those soldiers terrorizing those poor women. Yeah. So we're we're but we're still a fairly I don't know we're quite a bit into the episode before we do actually get she does bring a man home yeah you know she goes out with she goes out with her friend and they go to a bar and she picks up a guy and he comes home with her and it's it's a and she is the sexiest woman in the world it's a very sexy my god that was a hot scene oh yeah how do they how do they nail it how do they nail it like this on all of the little sex scenes that they've had they've all been different none of them have been to do have been meant to do anything but draw us further into the story and the scene right and the character like introduce you know feel something these characters you know because we feel these characters are having an emotional like connection or or a physical you know so yeah i get it like it's it's been doing really well well and it's it, not only that but yeah. it's 
it's a sex scene where you have two characters who are after very different things. They are not there for the same reason. He's there because, you know, hot woman wants to have sex with me. Oh, yeah, I'm cool. And she's like, so I have a list. <laughs> and your number 97 or whatever whatever number it was. It's, there's a gap there. We, I can't remember which number he says, but... And it's, a, yeah, it's the sexy, sexy scene. It's the sexiest, it actually is the sexiest, most traditional sex scene this show has done yet until it isn't. And then it, right. it takes a left turn, bud. Oh my God. Okay. So we've mentioned the foxtail demon earlier. This right. is where we get to see the foxtail demon, right? But the foxtail demon doesn't have nine tails growing out of her butt. No. She's got one tail that comes out of her vagine, one tail that comes, well, two tails that come out of her eyes. She's got tails coming out of her ears, and the rest of the number of tails come out of other orifices too, her mouth and everything. And so she uses those tails to suck the souls and life out of her victim, who then, upon having his soul sucked, explodes. Yes! All over the place. <laughs> it's so fucking great. And the moral <laughs> lesson is, guys, wear a condom. Right. <laughs> and you then don't the mom get comes any in on and you, she's man. like, can you bring one back tomorrow? And you're like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just, I mean, it's it's so out of nowhere. And then it's tentacle porn. It's fuzzy mm-hmm. tentacle porn, which is wrong. Just wrong visually. I told you, I, it weirds me out to see hairy things come out of wet places. But it is... It's, it's weird. But it's also just a fascinating scene because it's straight up Lovecraftian horror. Here's this, uh, you know, there's the, the, Dunwich, the Dunwich Horror is basically one of the iconic Lovecraft stories. And one of the main characters is you don't even realize how much of him is tentacles until after they've killed him. <laughs> and they, just, they discover that his body is all deformed and has these growths out of his sides into these tentacles. And there's his, his brother who you almost never see because he's gigantic and invisible to the human eye because we don't see that wavelength who's tentacles and things. So it's just, I mean, is he the it, color of space? No, it's a different. It's a different thing we don't see. So, but the the body horror of Lovecraft, or the honestly, the body horror of the thing. I mean, this is you know that that sudden explosion of tentacles which rips someone apart. We've seen that before, but it was John Carpenter in the nineteen, you know, and but you don't <laughs> expect to see it here. We we have yeah. not been prepared by this yes, show. Yes, none of this none of this episode is preparing us for what for that thing to happen. Right. It is it is very very much uh mother-daughter drama. Yeah, cuz up to this point we have a woman who is clearly feeling isolated in her own society. She has a friend who she has her friend seems to be giving her some certain lesbian signals. Oh, definitely. And so there's some there's a, a connection there and she seems to be responding and there's all these things going on with the with the Americans coming soon and and all these all this stuff. It's very domestic. It's very real world. 
and then suddenly it's tentacle porns and mm-hmm. blood. And this is- she lifts that man up with one of her many tails through his butt and lifts him up from his butt. Mm-hmm. And the rest is just doing like suckling work on his soul. But it's, it's such an, it's an image that I won't soon forget. Yes. And I think that was the point. <laughs> um, so uh, it turns out we discover that this woman we've been following is, yes, she's the fox demon, but she was summoned by her by the mother, quote unquote, because her mother discovered that her husband was raping her daughter. Yep. And so to get revenge on her husband, she summoned this demon. What she I think did- it's I think from here is when this kind of the story falls apart a little bit for me. Yeah. Not that Hang it matters, but keep going. Part of it was made clear, but another part kind of escaped me. I wasn't sure if the mother knew that the fox demon was going to be inhabiting the body of her actual daughter. So I think the question, and and that adds to my confusion what was happening too, because I wasn't sure if the daughter had died. Right. And then the mother had used the demon, the, the fox demon was inhabiting her body or had just been made to appear to be her body. Because as this episode unfolds, what seems to be very, very clear is that the mother does not actually view this as her daughter. Because she doesn't mean she calls her her daughter, but the way she treats her as if she's as a stranger. There's an anger and bitterness to the mother that is directed at her that doesn't seem, it, I didn't read it as her being, I can't wait for these, uh, the, to finish your hundred souls and then mm-hmm. I get my daughter back. It was, you finish the hundred souls and you'll become my daughter. And that's the way it read to me. So, I mean, cause mom is, mom is a complicated character. Right. And I like the fact that actually mom turned out to be a complicated character instead of like yes. the wicked stepmother figure that she appears very much at the beginning. The ironic thing about this show about evil is that no one in it is really evil. I mean, we've had some evil dead ones. Mm. Well, yeah, the, the, the really seriously evil folks have all died so far. Yeah. Everyone is basically being human beings with uh, kind of unusual perspectives, I guess. Right. <laughs> and I think that's the, that is the crux of this particular episode is where does humanity begin? When do we get to call ourselves human? Because the girl in this episode, she is working under the assumption that she is not a human. But as it goes on and she realizes her love for her friend and the fact that she really does care deeply for her mother and meeting Atticus and first hating him, we'll get into why. I didn't even talk about why. We haven't got there yet, you know. But falling falling in love with him and realizing that, that her friend can have affection for her and Atticus can have affection for her. What does that mean? Does it mean that she's more than just this demon, this killing machine? Where And she where, can have an affection for Judy Garland in yeah. um, romantic musicals, you know. And and my my feeling is that the climax of the episode is not when she and Atticus confront each other. 
It's when she and her mother, when she confronts her mother, and she says, everyone else seems to be able to have affection for me. You're not mad because I'm not your daughter. You're keeping me away so that you don't feel any affection for me, and I know you do. That, I felt, was more of a climax, the episode, to, than what she did with Atticus. See, and I would, I would argue that, that that's not the climax either, but you're right about it not being with Atticus. The climax is in the last few minutes of this episode where her mother takes her to the shaman who summoned the demon in the first place to set her free because she has finally recognized whatever this, this young woman is in front of her, her daughter, a demon, a combination of both, she does love her and she wants her to be free. That's called the resolution, Tim. Inciting incident, climax, resolution. Yes, the climax is when mother realizes that. The resolution is when they go to see the shaman. Right, that's what I'm saying. Is mine back is the climax. Up. Back up, okay, back sorry. it way the fuck up. Just back it up. Okay. One day she's out with her friend and they get pinched by the fuzz. That's right. They just, I guess, they just rounded up all the nurses because they thought there was a communist spy. You couldn't really tell who the bad guys were. I mean, because the Americans were shitty, as we're about to find out. But anyway, they get rounded up and uh, uh, Atticus, young Atticus, walks right up to one. Bloom! Which one of you guys is the communist? And nobody says it was that one that you just shot. Yeah. Nobody, nobody said that. They could have gone home early. But they're no. terrified. That would not have worked. We don't know that. They didn't even try. At this point, you're in a situation where the first response to the soldiers is they're going to just kill people. Yeah. War is full of monsters on both sides. And and Attic, what Atticus does here is just... Well, you should write a book about that. Probably. Uh. <laughs> Atticus is just horrible here. I mean, he is literally, yeah. he, he, is, he is not a good man. In this but game. you can't say that we haven't seen foreshadowing of this particular bit of trauma yet from him because we have. He is obviously capable of great violence. He has scared Letty on more than one occasion to the point where she's carrying around a baseball bat, which is around him. He's also said that I did things in the war. I found that violence in myself in the war. He's aware that he's his own bit of a monster. And uh, a handsome one. But anyway, he uh, shoots one of the nurses and um, is going to shoot all of them if they he don't shoots tell. two of the nurses. I know, I know. I was right. going to say. And then he shoots another one. Before he can shoot his, uh, spoiler alert, eventual love interest. <laughs> Because these are the two main characters of the of this particular episode, her best buddy jumps in front of her and says, "Nope, it's me. Take me." So they take her away, and then they just send the rest of them home because I guess they were just cool with there being just one communist spy. Right. I, yeah. But they also give you a little enough of that character and her relationship to Jaya to make that a painful scene. Mm-hmm. Oh God, it's a very painful scene. And then the next thing we know, she's got to be his nurse at her hospital. Right. I like the, the analogy to the Count of Monte Cristo. You don't know me, but I am coming for you. <laughs> you don't know I'm coming for you, but guess what? I am. <laughs> well, that's where she needs to bang a hundred people 
and steal all their souls so she can be normal again. She doesn't even know what that is, probably. She's been yeah. doing this since, like, probably 13 years old. They also plant the seed of how their relationship is going to change very early on, too. Because when he, you know, he asks her to read The Count of Monte Cristo to him. She says that out of spite. She tries to spoil the ending for him by telling him the ending of what turns out to be the movie version of it. And he <laughs> what? And then he whips around because he's actually read the book before. He wants to read it again, and he wants someone else, he wants her to, to read it to him so that he can he can distract himself from what he's going through right now. And instead of just showing that he's a dumb murderer, instead of showing that he's a monster, he turns around and says, "Well, that's actually not how it ends. That's how the movie ends." I don't know. I was not on board with Atticus. At any point oh, until no. we got no, no. near the near to the end, which he, you know, he's finally still, he's still a monster in this scene. He's still he's still the murderer what we've seen. No, that but I think that is just just the smuggest, most like I'm not even talking about the fact that he was a a killer or whatever. I'm talking about oh, that's just so smug. You wanted me to read a book to you you already read, and now you're gonna make fun of me? Fuck you, Atticus. Take your <laughs> beautiful body and your whatever and, and get out of my hospital. Fuck you in the dick, Atticus. Except that that I be, that'll be the title of the episode. Fuck you, Atticus, in the dick. Pretty close to that. I didn't read him as him making fun of her. The way it played to me was not that he was making fun of her, but that he was... Oh, and then later, he calls her over to his buddy. It's like, I keep making fun of her? No. No, I disagree. Okay, that's fine. You guys gotta treat her like shit a little bit. Mm-hmm. He is not a good person in this episode until the very end. But like I said, I felt it was it was about how she was perceiving him. Because her initial well, thought was, ah, this is the man who murdered my friend. I'm going to kill him. But very early on, they start redefining that relationship by her actually looking at him as being something more than just a dumb murderer. Mm, yeah, I see that. But fuck you, Atticus. In the dick! <laughs> and there's no argument there. He's Atticus is a villain through a significant chunk of this episode, even when he's not on screen. Because you know this is not the first time he's done that. Mm-hmm. Because nobody reacts as coldly and clinically as he does. And then later when she's, we're flip-flopping all over this episode, but, you know, we get a scene of him torturing her friend. Mm-hmm. It's a lot, Atticus. You've put, well, you're I, putting us through some stuff, Atticus. But we're also seeing this through the eyes of someone who is murdering people and has murdered 90-plus people. So I was like, fuck you, fox demon. You know? But the thing is that everybody in this episode is a monster. Mm-hmm. Every single person. The mother is a monster. Jaya is a monster. Atticus is was, a monster. They're all yeah. doing monstrous things to each other. Yeah, but some of the tertiary characters were more like machines, like sex machines and shit like that. Well, they were whole, no, those guys were monsters too. Sex they're just like going home with this woman and basically like, I'm going to I'm gonna get me some. And they're like, yeah, you got some. You got some you guys, across the room is what you got. 
There's two kinds of people in the world, son. Sex monsters and sex machines. You got to decide what you're going to be. I know you're six, but uh, you'll figure it out. Ah. Let's go to church. But, you know, we also see with her friend, we get this person who is, she's coded as lesbian throughout the episode. Mm-hmm. Even though she's going out with this guy, it's the way she interacts with with Jaya. It's it's very intimate. It's very sensual. She talks about being true to yourself and how we're all just people. And this it's very much felt like her admitting to Jaya who she was without using the words. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that she ends up being a communist sympathizer makes sense in what we've seen of this character so far. The communists were the bad guys, air quotes for the folks at home. They were truly assholes well, I mean, in this context. In, in the context Every of, single buddy was an asshole, though. The idea that we're looking at these people as people, again, looking at people as the other. This show is about that. It's about looking at Atticus and Letty, you know, in a world that treats them as not real a lot people. Of- a lot of different levels of that because you obviously have the racial, familial, cultural, even caste situations, mm-hmm. you know? C-A-S-T-E for the folks who, who can't. Yeah. Yes. Well, we talk about a show like this. We use the word caste a lot, but we mean of the show. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't know if I was going to pronounce it right. I'll be right <laughs> honest with you. I thought I would botch it, but I think I got it. I almost said caste. You got it. Uh, you got it better than Dustin pronounces things. <laughs> well, when he gets to it, he he, he says all the right words. Surprise. I speak good in an order that you can kind of. Make I through. speak. I speak good in sentence form. <laughs> it's like he's like a speaking spell. You Somebody know? taught me what an adjective was. <laughs> what hey, Dustin, what's an adjective? Tell me what an adjective is, Dustin. I don't know. What's an adverb, Dustin? But it has something to do with ver- Di- verbs. Diagrams. <laughs> Diagrams. It's for me now. Oh, my gosh. That's an interesting uh, demon that uh, I don't know what the name of it is, but it's this, uh, this diagram demon. <laughs> <laughs> and he makes diagrams that drive you insane. Yeah. His his most successful diagram was a diagram of the flat earth that has caught fire. Are you talking about a real thing? Is this something that's <laughs> actually happening or are you just... Diagram you know, demons, goddammit. You guys know what diagram demons are. Would you grow up in a field? <laughs> I did grow up in a field. <laughs> Everybody in Texas has to spend one year living in the middle of a field. <laughs> keep that in cut it out yeah that's good stuff dustin anyway what are we talking about so we have this whole sequence here where atticus and jaya are beginning a relationship it's not based 100 percent on false pretenses yeah exactly because Froggy went to Courton and he did ride. Froggy went to Courton because she wanted to eat somebody's soul. Yeah. But she sees the same thing that Letty sees, that once you get past the violence, once you get past the fact that this is someone who 
has the potential, and she's seen the result of that in actual, but has the potential for great violence. She warns every single person she hits it with, though, because she does that thing where she lights all the candles that were in the room at once. Any sane person would just walk right the fuck out. Oh, that's an excessive number of candles. And as a production designer, and having filled the entire room with candles for a film shoot, let me tell you, that is a fire hazard. And I have been... Hey, you got to have somebody on set for that shit. Yeah. Well, not only that, but if you if you roll off the bed or kick out a leg or something, you're burning the place down around you. And that is not the way to go have sex. I'm going to tell you something as a props guy, though. Those were all LED candles. That's how they could pop like that. I mean, we can't we can't start like complaining too much about these sex scenes because you know I'm not complaining about them. I just want to talk about them a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> this is welcome to Zompocalypse Now Lovecraft Edition where we just talk about the sex scene. I'm gonna make some I'm gonna make some noises with my mouth for about the next fifteen seconds. You guys can just dig on it. <laughs> no. <laughs> help, help me. Uh, this episode has literally the sexiest sex scenes of a show which has had really good sex scenes so far. Mm-hmm. And then the tentacles. So I'm going to tell you, I'm looking, up, I'm looking up who that, that Korean actor was right now. Because this is like all kinds of the sex, I mean, this is sensual. Don't cause a scandal, Dustin, because if we find out she's Japanese or something, then we're just going to piss people off. I don't care about her. Okay. Who's talking about her? I don't, I was because I, I remember she was naked in that show we watched. It was great. It was so great. That one fella, her first, her first murder in the show. Yeah. He was like, he was like you're pretty. And I'm like, that's it. That's all you got for that goddess right in front of you right there? It turns out kind Dude, of. Dude, I knew I recognized him. Okay, so her first uh, her first kill that we see is an actor named James Kyson, and he has been in elementary. Uh, he was in Preacher. He's been on Criminal Minds. He's been on Sleepy Hollow. Dude makes the rounds. Hang on, I think he was the best friend on Heroes. He's an established character actor, yeah. Am I wrong? He was the best friend on Heroes. I think I'm, I'm just checking. I'm double-checking right now. Hmm. But he's, he's good. I liked, I liked all, all the stuff that I got, to, got out of that. Well, anyway, he dies wonderfully. Yeah. How do you say it on a podcast? You can't say, like, he comes. He, like, comes super hard. Then, it's, got, it's, it's classier than that. How do you say it? Tim, how do you say it? How do you say a man has an orgasm? And then, okay, I'll go, go with that. That sounds safe. A man has an orgasm, and that's the last thing it gets. She takes away everything he ever was and everything he's going to be with her yeah. tails. Well, she also, I mean, and that's we really haven't talked about the fact. She doesn't just, she sees what their future is going to be or potentially could be. Yeah. Yeah, and we see that that's she gets how to she all their memories and their a glimpse into their future. That's how she killed her stepfather. She did that because she has all of his memories about that young woman that he was raping. And she, the young woman he was raping, has no memories of that girl. She's yes. all she's all Fox team and she's no there's no part of the original girl that's there. It's pure speculation whether or not she'll come back. 
And that right. becomes, a, that becomes a big crux in the emotional struggle of the character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so that becomes a big a bit of contention there between she and her mother is that her mother wants her daughter back. Right. She doesn't want to admit and, that, hey, that's your freaking daughter right there. She's your daughter too. She won't do that. Who will I be? Am I just going to cease to exist? Right. When all of this is over? Just blink out, I guess. Yeah. Because this really is toward the latter part of the episode where she just – She's lashing out and confronting her mother with how she's being treated and hits her with the fact that the only thing she remembers are the stepfather's memories and how much of that is pain. There's no memory of what this woman who calls herself her mother taught her or felt mm. for her. She's building her entire world herself from the memory of a, of a horrible human being who's a, a child rapist. And then well, this- she who knows how many millions of years this this creature is though, because she can be called forth and sent away. She but may have happened three hundred thousand times. The way I understood it is the only memories that she has at this time are of the life that she is living living now. Because if it was if the case was oh well, once I kill my hundred guys, I get to go back to you know spirit world or whatever and have spirit drinks with my spirit girlfriends, <laughs> then I think there would be less. Because her whole thing is, what is going to happen to me? Do I cease to exist? And do I become your daughter? Am I going? If I'm your daughter, am I going to remember all these things? Am I not going to remember any of these things? If I don't remember any of these things, who am I after that happens? Right. Lovely bit of writing. Well, yeah. and that helps define that helps define the uncertainty and clarity of her relationship with Atticus is because she doesn't really know who she is. And so after a certain point, she recognizes that Atticus is struggling to figure out who he is too. She might be a demon and he's a murderer, but she's a murderer too. His obvious confusion and his obvious uncertainty and his obvious internal pain is stuff that she's experiencing as well. It makes the relationship work in a way that... But relationships that are built on being broken never last. See, that's why that's why I'm okay with uh, those two not being together forever. Well, there's it's also okay the with me because he's meant to be with another. Well, not only that, but it's a relationship that is built on a trope I absolutely hate, which is we hate each other to begin with, or at least one of us hates the other one to begin with. And by the end of the romance novel, or the TV movie, or the Hallmark picture, Stop we will it be some more. Stop and, it some more. And it's not, I mean, it's just, that's just not how things work unless you're a teenager. Oh, if Henry. An, if you're you an adult. You me so happy. You, you've never had a healthy relationship that started like that. No, man. And, I mean... We all learned about this type of relationship in the movie Speed when Keanu Reeves and the lady in Speed, Sandra Bullock. Uh, Sandra Bullock. They say we shouldn't uh, base a we shouldn't start a relationship based on trauma. And he's like, "Fuck it, don't you want to bang?" She's like, "Sure." Yeah, I, I remember. Absolutely, do peak nineties Keanu Reeves. Yep, exactly. This so, isn't going to be an okay or socially acceptable to want until. And what did we learn? And what did we learn? Speed 2, 
Where's Keanu? She trades up or down, depending on your point of view, for that decade's Jason Patrick. He also made um, several, Jason Patrick did, several erotic thrillers. Like Sweat and Steel. Yes. Hard Desires. Body Heat. Usually starring Shannon Tweed. <laughs> oh man, Shannon Tweed, she was a goddess. She was. I love, even today, love Shannon Tweed. Anyway, um, this relationship in many ways is built on secrets. Mm. And if you want to play with the whole romantic allegory, real world thing, you know, the fact that she's keeping this crucial secret about who she is, which, you know, understandable. Hi, I'm a demon how are you, is not usually how relationships begin. She eventually gets to tell him, though, right? She tries to explain after it's happened. Because the first time... No, they no, have- no, no. They, she, they're like reading a book, and she's telling him the story of her many tales. So, yes. But, but as, far, as far as he's concerned, it's just a folks legend. He doesn't even really pay that much attention because he moves on to something else real quick, and I can't even remember what it is, until she starts growing tails out of her ear this relationship is burgeoning between them and when she goes to see him on the base they would they don't let her in and his friend the soldier the asian american soldier basically says hey guys no it's okay she's one of those girls come with me and she's like what are you telling him that i'm a comfort woman because (laughs) i am not a comfort woman and this is actually something this is a subtext to the show her reaction at that moment um, oh. The comfort woman concept in, in Korea came out of the fact when the Japanese invaded and basically it was an occupying force, they forced a lot of Korean women essentially into prostitution for Japanese soldiers. So there's this visceral anger that is coming through Jaya right there. That's because culturally, the fact that that's what they are even wanting her to pretend to be is incredibly offensive and incredibly cruel. He diffuses by saying, no, no, we're on a lockdown here. This is the only way we can get you in. Even that, I mean, her, her reaction, her anger there is very much part of that culture. But they end up being, it's a romantic moment. Uncle George has helped out. They've gotten a movie. That's, they have this sweet romantic scene and, and a very erotic sex scene and a very emotional sex scene where she doesn't tails everywhere. Atticus is a virgin and it's, it's a very intimate, very sweet scene. And then time goes by. Yeah, there's like a little montage of them getting ice cream together. But before, before they actually date, she t- does tell him, I know who you are. You're the guy who killed my best friend and the other nurses. Now, she she's basically says, I, these feelings are incredibly complex because I hate you and love you at the same yeah. time. Yeah, and he's like, if you knew I love that. Because he was like, if you knew all this about me, why did you pursue me? And she was like, I was going to kill you. And he's like, oh, Hmm. I guess that kind of makes sense. Some relationships start off complicated and they continue to be complicated because they're going to send Atticus back to the States. It's just they're cycling him back through. Well, he could stay. He could stay. He could stay, but he's, he's done. His tour is over. And so he can leave. And she's, uh, she ha- he has her blessing. She's like, you, you, know, you, you don't have to stay for me. But he talks about wanting her to come with him. Yep. 
which is complicated, of course, by the fact that she is a demon with an agenda. There's actually mm-hmm. a plan, you know, get that night, get that hundredth soul. And just wouldn't even occur to anyone that she would, if she just got another dude, then she could find out once and for all if the person that she is after she's done still loves this man. That is so like, that's, that's beside the point because that's a risk. I don't think I would be willing to take. Well, clearly it wasn't a risk she was willing to take either. So she lost control instead. But it's not just, am I still going to love this person? Is that, am I going to be me? Who will I even be? B, if I, if I complete my mission, if I do 99, will I even be this person I am anymore? What if she becomes who she's supposed to be and isn't into blowies anymore at all? Just a different human being. Yeah. What if, what if she has her 99 and... All of a sudden she likes life cereal a lot. Yeah. (laughs) It's a lot. It's a complicated situation. (laughs) Sure is. But unfortunately, while she has, at this point, become closer with her mother, we haven't had our big breakdown here where where she really confronts her mother, but she takes Atticus and they have this wonderful, intense, just romantic, sensual moment. And then it's not. Mm -mm. Because he's the hundredth one and her nature starts to take over. She is super into it. Yep. And Ladies, don't you hate it when you're getting intimate with your man, and all of a sudden your nine foxtails of demonic possession start coming out your ears, and he sees it, and you know he sees it, and he's like, uh-oh, and you're like, uh Is the only reason he didn't die because she didn't do the butt one? Possibly. Probably that it helped that she didn't. But she does. I know he probably appreciated it, but he didn't know he appreciated it because it's not like he'd seen it before. It was like, God, I hope I don't get the the butt tail of death. Generally speaking, the butt tail of death is something I think most of us hope not to get. Is generally a thing to avoid. But if you see somebody with a butt tail, you're like, is that going to be the one that kills me? It's today the day. <laughs> Even though it's happening anymore. Uh, <laughs> While this is going on, before he can react, before he can react to what's happening, two of her tails latch onto his eyes and she sees his future just like she's done with her other victims. But his future is complicated because suddenly, you know, there's all these things that we've seen parts of with what's happened so far. Well, she gets his memories, but she also gets his future. And this is new. No, because we saw that happen with the other guy. The first guy, because you see him meeting a woman and having a baby and climbing like Mount Everest or something. Oh, yeah. And that was supposed to be his fate. Oh, oh God. That poor man. At least he had some sex. But Atticus does not react well to the fact that the woman he loves turns out to be demon with fuzzy tentacle tails. As, you know, it can break the mood. I mean, let's be honest. It could be a mood killer. And it was definitely a mood killer. And he freaks out. And then mom comes running and says, is he the hundredth one? Should I get a hammer? Is he not done? She insists that he leave. It was very important that he leave after the tentacle display because she was afraid for his life. 
she's trying to protect him. To and do- this is his first tentacle monster. So it's not like if, if this would have happened now, if this was not a flashback episode, he would have been like, oh, you're a tentacle monster? Okay. Well, you know, I saw a corpse come dra- back to life and grow tits and a penis. Tentacle monster, but the sex was good. Tentacle <laughs> monster, but we like the same literature. Tentacle monster, she loves good movies. Eh. Some folks are into the bucket list and y'all can't really blame them for that. You know, people have their own list. Like, you know, I've had conversations where people like, you know what? One time I was in a relationship with someone with was afraid of pants or had one arm, something like that. You know, these conversations before I, I used to date a, a woman with a foxtail that would come shooting out of her pussy after I came. It was so weird. Didn't that why, is that why you don't like uh, furry things coming out of wet holes? No, no. That, I was making up an example. Okay, say you, you dipped a bobcat in a lake and then let it shake itself off. That, to me, is just weird and gross. With the way why, it looks. It, why isn't that bobcat being civilized and using a blow hair dryer? Yeah, exactly. Why can't that bobcat conform to my Christian ideals about which side he is? So, the episode ends with Atticus going back to the States, freaked the fuck out. Because I fell in love with the tentacle monster. This is not, you know... National Enquirer's waiting on you, buddy. He doesn't know what to make of his world right now. And she is heartbroken because she loves him. And she did not want him to know what she really is. She wanted to help him. There's no way that she could get him to listen. How do you get someone to listen to that? How do you get... I mean, he's terrified. You can't... At this point, he has not... Like Dustin said, at this point, he has not been exposed to the horrors that... He's just seen the horrors of war. He hasn't experienced the horrors of the the sons of Adam. He leaves, and she's heartbroken. But this is the point where her mother becomes her mother. This woman who has been saying, you know, you're my daughter, but not treating her like a daughter, and, and I'm your mother, but I'm not acting like your mother... Here's the point where she actually becomes the mother. She recognizes that this, whoever this woman in front of her is, whatever she is, whether she's really her daughter or she's a demon wearing her daughter's form or is going to become her daughter, all these things, she loves this woman as a daughter. And she's trapped her because of her own pain, because of her own guilt. She's trapped this person on a path they didn't ask for. And so they go back to the shaman that originally bound the demon or brought the demon. However, this is this works. And there's a subtext here that the shaman asks, you realize what will happen if I break this without completing it? And it sounds an awful lot like this is going to impact the mom. This is going to boomerang on the mom. And because the mother's reaction is, yes, I understand. But but she should be free. And it sounds an awful lot like she's going, you know, okay, we'll let her free, but it's going to kill you. That's what it read like to me. That's what it sounds like to me too. She has to and, be the hundredth. But there's that, that great moment where she's just looking over there and there's that fox. Yeah. Just sitting there looking at her. And, and yet they leave it there. They leave it hanging where the, the shaman has looked into the future and seen what's going to happen to Atticus. And basically her final words to, her final words are, you will see so much more death before your time is done. Mm-hmm. And there's so many different ways to read that. It's, the war is still going on. They're, she's surrounded you, by death. If, 
if you get that kind of news from a lady like that, though, if you're like talking to your uncle, oh, you're going to see so much death in your life. Okay, fine. But a lady like that mm. says to you by her cauldron that she's yeah. stirring that you're going to see so much death. That means something else. Right. She's going to cause a lot of death. And I think she needs to be aware of that. I don't know if it's cause or, or be affiliated in the not great. This is, I agree with you. I don't necessarily know if I, I believe it's, she is going to cause a bunch of death or if it is, this is not war as hell kind of death that she's going to be exposed to. I suspect if nothing else, considering that we've had some sort of interaction with this character in every episode of the show in some way, whether it's been, we hear her voice on the phone, we see her as, you know, a vision of Atticus's. We have Atticus referencing the war and referencing her. And the fact that if you go to the IMDb page, she shows up on every episode of this show. Mm -hmm. We have not seen the last of her. No. Absolutely. Nah, she's going to make it to the States and help them do battle with whatever thing with her crazy tail magic. We'll <laughs> see. Because, with her butt tail. Because quite frankly, I want to see the look on Letty's face. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. If she does show up, if she does show up, she's going to see that she's lost her man's heart to this other But she woman. saw Letty in the vision. Yeah, she. I, I think she knows that relationship is not going to be. Yeah. between the two of them. As much as it hurts her, she knows that that's not his path. But no, I want to see the look on Letty's face when she's like, fuzzy tentacle demon? Really? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I liked? I liked that he was a virgin and so really like he and Letty have that bond of being close. Like they had both, they both have that virginity mm -hmm. loss thing. It's never like perfect. You no, well, it's just like especially hers hers was like the way it kind of goes usually mm -hmm. but uh his was a little bit more it had a little bit more magic and romance yeah his was pretty great but at the same time it really wasn't the standard he was uncertain he was nervous he was a little scared you could tell it played out well it didn't make him look weak or any of the other dumb things that people, you know, he was, but he wasn't suave and cool. And he and was it, decent about it. You know, he was decent. And she was kind. So was it's, this is a very interesting out. episode. I, I, it's one of my favorite of the show. And barely, mm -hmm. our main characters barely appear in this. Mm -hmm. And it was just very well done. If this, we talked about what happens if there's a season two. And. It'll yeah. be, it'll be, it'll just jump into another story. We'll have a I whole think, new story. And if it does, the idea, what they do here, where they go to another country and they dive into another culture's uh, demons and nightmares and, and mythologies, this, that could be the way to do it. I'm not saying I want a second season because I, we've talked about that too, where it's just like, They've got a super cube. They've got a supercomputer that applies love, Lovecraft story elements and logic and theory and history into any culture that you put on a small card into the slot. That'll be basically how they write those episodes. 
uh, and they flip the Hollywood switch and it all just turns on and goes. Were that it were that simple. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This this was a really good episode. This was this was extremely well done. I agree with that, man. I I actually looked up the director of this. I can't remember her name right now, but she has a pedigree, proven wonderful director. She's been she's done so much stuff. And I guess every single person that they've gotten to direct an episode of this is the same way. They're not letting amateurs fuck with this, and that's great. Oh, yeah, no. I think they're they've chosen wisely from everything from their production design, which we talked about before, their costuming, the writers, the crew, the cast. It's, this is a very well-crafted show. This was, I'm, I'm glad we all three approve of it. Makes it fun to watch it. All right, yeah, here. it's super hard to watch the shows that you're like, this is dumb, I hate everything about what's <laughs> happening. Otherwise, I was- did the Vampire Diaries for like five years. That's why I don't want to like, like, like with the book narration thing, I don't want to do like self-help books. But I know if I want to make money, that's what I've got to do. Mm-hmm. It's just bullshit. Same thing with being an actor. Look, people out there, if you're going to try to be an actor, um, get used to the idea that the best you're going to do is probably a hemorrhoid commercial. That'll be your the thing that gets you laid for a while. So enjoy hey, the hemorrhoid commercials pay the bills. <laughs> Let's see how, that's how it works. Don't right. I recognize you? Oh yeah, you're that lady in the commercial with irritable bowel syndrome. How is that? I was that? really, really happy to get to book that gig. I was up with me or another girl, and she just couldn't really portray the pain of the irritable bowel. Or just that feeling of not being fresh. <laughs> That's your acting life. That's what you've got to look forward to. 90% of the people who are successful, which is 5% of the people who endeavor, that's as high as they go. And get used to the idea, folks. Enjoy your night! Woo! Apocalypse Now is brought to you by broken dreams and, and sad recordings you hear through a rain-soaked window. Enjoy Grandpa's terrible attitude for three hours a night. <laughs> right here on Apocalypse Wow! So there we go. There's a really, really fantastic episode of the show. We are There's a place up. for us to end it. We are in the final stretch here. We only have three more episodes after this. If you have enjoyed this episode, we hope that you will share it with other people. Of course, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter, iTunesPodcast.com. <laughs> you can share the show, leave us a comment, leave us a rating. These are all good things to do. And we appreciate it when you do that. Uh, and uh, yeah, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. As always... Dustin, thank you. Are you free? Help! I can't act. It's a rough thing. I'm sure he's fine. I'm sure he's fine. And Curtis, thank you so much. Thank you, man. And we. And it. I can't help me long enough to stop the recording. We're gonna close out the meeting. And as always, we thank you for listening, and we will see you again on the episode. Zompocalypse Now is produced and recorded by Timothy Harvey, Dustin Adair, and Curtis Smith for Just Some Guy Productions. All rights reserved. <laughs>